Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 538 of the Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. Coming up on the show, uh, we'll be having a chat with Susan Murray all about her show, which is coming to the Gifford Arms on the 30th of October, How Not to Die in a Plane Crash. Chris Packham is going to let us know how we can all join in and save energy and save money at the same time. Lucy Porter is going to be talking about how expensive parental chill time can be. Yeah, bit of a problem. You have to spend money out, whatever you want to do if you want to relax and get the kids looked after too. So we'll be doing that one. Sue Cressman will be on the line to let us know about her single Survive. Uh, she'll be telling us a few of the stories from her life. And she's had a, a few problems, but is keeping battling on. But first of all, we had a bit of fun with the Facebook Live at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre. Because the Rocky Horror Show is there at the moment, this is the audio from the Facebook Live when I caught up with three of the cast. Well, good evening. Welcome to Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre. We are here in the Encore Lounge with three of the cast of the Rocky Horror Show. Hello! Hello! Hello. Okay, <laughs> introductions to begin with then. We'll just quickly run down who we have here. Uh, we'll talk individually about your characters in a second, but we have James, who is Brad. Yep. We have Stephen, who is Frankenfurter. That's right. And then we have Christian, who is Riff Raff. Yes. Okay, so uh, that, we'll work our way again down the line. So... Uh, as, as, as far as being Brad goes, yes. now, you're the one who looks most like your character now. Sure. Um, I, I think we, we can bring in uh, a picture of you in, in character. I'm hoping that's going to pop up on the screen any second. But you uh, get the most sensible look, but still <laughs> are with everybody else in uh, the amount of fun you have. Because the, the show is sexy, it's sassy, it's funny. Yeah. And, I mean, that's just your spectacles in their, in their own way, sure, isn't it? Sure. So there's, there's a lot going on. So uh, what does it take to become Brad? And one of the questions you've had through is, at which point, when you're getting ready, do you feel you're in character? So how does that work for you? Uh, to be honest with you, the glasses are my entire character. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't really have any other, any other <laughs> process other than I put those glasses on and he becomes a bit of a dork. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, no, I, I, I probably have one of the nicest times to get ready because I just whack a little bit of makeup on and put and a suit on. To, to be fair though, you majority of the time, and especially in the first half, you're naked. Oh, you're I'm quite naked <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. That's well, true. And, and this in your underwear. I forget yeah. that bit. <laughs> and, and in the, the, the latter part of the show, there is an amazing look that you have. I think we can see that one as well, whereby you are uh, in a basque and uh, with a feather boa. Now, a lot of the rest of the cast are. I don't think there's any spoilers. I think we know uh, pretty much enough about the show that most people have an idea what's actually going to happen. Yeah. So we, we can share that. But uh, obviously, it's, it's all part of the look. And mm. is it fun? It's, it's genuinely so much fun. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've never had to, in a job, put on a pair of heels or mm -hmm. a basque or a corset. And yeah, you do that first kind of fitting and you go, what, what am I doing? What, <laughs> what, is this really my career? <laughs> is this what I trained for? And then once you get on the stage, it's just so much fun. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and you kind of, it's so far removed from what your day-to-day -day normal life is. You yeah. can't help but be immersed in that character and have a bit of fun. It's all a bit of magic. Yeah, definitely. Okay, let's move on to Stephen then, because again, uh, our question is, uh, at what point do you feel you become Frankenfurter? Because again, this is a bit of a transformation, and I think you're probably one of, one of the butcher Frankenfurters we've seen as well, because you've, yeah. got, you've got a bit of a rugged look about you, which, which, which <laughs> carries on into the role, but still just as sexy and sassy as you need to be. Right. Well, the thing is, is when I approach the role, um, I tried to do it my own way. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's how they they wanted every single Frank that's done it to put their own flavour onto it. Yeah. Um, but I must admit, when I first started it, I I felt like a bit in a bubble. You know, I look I looked at myself in the mirror, going, "Where's Stephen gone? You know what I mean? <laughs> I've never put on the wig. I've never put on, you know, f uh, f four inch, five inch stiletto heels on." And and also, so you say. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> the story. Well, yes. yeah, we, we we know what you look like in character. We, we've, we uh, can we share the image of the the, the upper body? I think will give the uh, a, a flavour of it. Right. Um, right. And uh, so you've got a, a, a massively different look. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, the tattoo on your yeah, arm. Yeah, the there. tattoo. Yeah. So I have this. I have this applied every day. However, 
it is really hard to get off because I sweat a lot. It's made out of from alcohol, so I have to put alcohol on it again. It just so I'd rather just leave it on during the majority of the week, yeah, and then I scrub it off afterwards on the weekends. So we we see the top half, but I think another big part of your performance is what's happening in the uh, the, the the legs department, shall yes. we say? And well, <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, well, uh, I asked I asked uh, Chris. I said, "Shall I shave my legs?" He went, "No." Don't shave your legs, he said, because I have got quite naturally hairy legs. If you come and see it, they're quite fairy. Um, <laughs> the front row gets a full face yeah, yeah, on the fur. Gets a, yeah. They went, no, you're um, a bloke uh, who likes putting on women's clothing. And that's how we, you're not, a, you're not a drag queen, you're a transvestite. So that's how I've, that's why I play him, that he's, he's a man that you can take him either way, but He's a guy that's just comfortable in his own skin. He loves uh, dressing up in women's clothing. Mm. All sounds good. Right, Dulcie Harrison, her question again, this time to Christian, a.k.a. Riff Raff. What point do you become Riff Raff? Because there's, there's a bit of a difference now to how you look when you are on stage. Um, for me, I have to look in the mirror and see a different character. I have to look in the mirror and not see myself. So for me, it is all in the makeup. And, um, and of course, you know, there is a hump sewn into the costume because I do play Hunchback. So, uh, yeah, but for me the look of it really helps and uh, I don't really want to look in the mirror and be myself and then go out and be a Hunchback. Mm, it just true. doesn't quite work mm. for mm. me. So, um, yeah, I have to look in the mirror and see that. Well, uh, it, it is a magical transformation for all of you. I mean, even you looking geeky, you're not geeky at all, really, are you? In real life? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think okay, so. Maybe <laughs> 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 yeah, a bit, of, bit of a dork, if I'm honest. <laughs> okay. But, uh, <laughs> we all are. But, I mean, how, how long have you been with the show? Because it, it is the 2019 part of the world tour. Yes, yes, yes. So I, I actually joined in May. May? Mm -hmm. So I've yeah. just sort of done six, seven months yeah. of the tour. There was a guy called Ben Adams doing the, the one for me. So I was a, I'm the newbie in the cast, you pretty are. much. Mm -hmm. um, but you guys have been going since November. Well, yeah, like I, I, um, I opened the tour with, with these guys, and also mm -hmm. I share it with another actor called uh, Duncan James. Yep. Who's from the Boy Band Blue? Yeah, it depends on who's available and how you, you work your schedules oh, yeah, out. Well, yeah. yeah, we, we, we share it at different venues, and um, so I get a bit of time off, and then I come back. So um, it's been great for me because I come back. Do a few weeks, yeah, and a few weeks off, and then I come back. So it's been good. It's been really good. Christian, um, I've been doing it since I was born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is pretty much the case, isn't it? <laughs> pretty much, yeah. I've I've played the character more than anyone in the show's history at the moment. So that's about sixteen hundred performances or something like that. But, but should, this is one of those shows that's never going to get boring, is it? Well, the audience makes it really exciting for us. Mm -hmm. yeah, the audience makes yeah. it different from any other show, yeah. which means that you know there's always something new out there. They always call out something new, mm. and for me, the audience is like a different character. It's like a character that's very unpredictable, it's and you never know what they're going to say yeah, or but, do. Uh, but there is kind of an audience script. Uh, there's there's, there's, there's things which have to happen, and uh, there's, there were plenty of people who uh, were both dressed up and calling yeah. out the right things at the right time. And so yeah. th but these things evolve. I'd never heard the word IKEA shouted out until this performance that I came mm -hmm. to uh, uh, yeah. on, on Monday this week. But it, is there anything that really shocks you? Because mostly you get away with it. It's the narrator who has to deal with all of this. Mm. Yeah. Uh, to, to, to be fair, I think w w when we were rehearsing, we did have, um, as you say, the script. Yeah, because the audience are kind of like the third, the third role in it, you mm -hmm. know. The, yeah. And um, it, well, it doesn't work without them. No, it doesn't. You look daft dressed like and that and, and not having an audience. Exactly, and it's it's evolved, and it, it. But now and again, you do get. I can't say that. Say it now. <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely not. But, you know. but sometimes they do catch you out, and there can be obscene, yeah. you know, yeah. rude comments, and you just it, it catches you off guard, and you can't stop. But you can't. stop can't stop but keep laughing. Can't even speak. Can't, can't, can't help stop but laughing. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not pantomime, but it's as close as anything's going to get to pantomime. That's yeah, a proper stage. Yeah, yeah. It's quite, <laughs> quite rude. For me, it's always just, it's the, it's the, the truest version of live theatre I've ever, ever, ever done mm -hmm. because it is so unpredictable. Like, mm. you can do sort of runs in the West End, which have been going for years and years and years, but that show's pretty much the same every single night. You stand on seven, you, you, you're singing a line at a certain point, and it happens at the same time. Mm -hmm. With this, with an audience, this is the most <laughs> live, terrifying theatre that I've ever done. Yeah, but it does give it an energy that is 
not like any other. Yeah, an amazing show which in itself. And uh, I, I, we've got to say, great cast. Um, the, uh, the the narrator Philip Franks in this in this He's case, brilliant. isn't he amazing? He is amazing. And if, even if you you'll know you'll know the name, but if you don't know the face that goes with the name, as soon as you see him, you will know exactly who he is. Yeah. Uh, proper veteran of so many TV shows, a great stage actor as well, but. Doesn't he carry it off well? The gravitas. Yeah, he's he, he is amazing, and he also he's one of them actors that he changes it pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. So you, you if you come see it, you, if you come you come see it a couple of times, you will get a different performance from him. Mm-hmm. And so he is he's phenomenal. Phillips actually more so than the audience is the one that catches me. There's yeah. sort of a point in in <laughs> in Act Two just before Brad's supposed to sing a little song, and uh, and he will say a different thing every day, and the number of times that I'm supposed to be there, frozen in a spotlight. And he just gets me. And I <laughs> cannot control it. And the audience do enjoy that because to actually see someone genuinely laughing on stage at the right point at the right time yeah. is the best, best, best feeling. Um, but he, he can he can get me. He's the one person in the world. I don't tend to corpse too much, but he's the one person in the world that can go and he can get you like that. But this is a show where you can do that and it will just be part of the, the, the fun and the magic. And it even feels like the ad-libs are actually ad-libs because sometimes in shows you feel they're a little bit scripted. Yeah. But the, this one, no, you, you are really winging it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good. Right, questions are coming through. Uh, let's see what we've got here. Uh, James, do you like playing the role of Brad? Uh, I mean, you must love playing love the role it. of Brad. Love yeah. It. So, yes. Donna, thank you for that one. Um, Christian, we've twisted the fact it's still fun playing the role of Riff Raff. And uh, we, uh, there's, there's, there's a few other bits and pieces coming through. He says, what have we got over here? Um, oh, that's Dulcie. We've done Dulcie. Thank you for that one. A uh, few shout-outs as well, because we've got a few people popping up. Uh, Steph uh, Garbit came to watch the show Monday night. Absolutely amazing. Can't wait to see it again. Uh, Donna you. Collins, it'll be a 75th live show. She's wow! So when she, when she wow. comes on Saturday, so oh, uh, that's, that's that's a good one. That's, that's a, a nice milestone. Uh, Claire Kimberley says hi. Hi. Hello. Claire. So uh, <laughs> right, we've got the rest of the cast there. Now we've touched on that Phil's there. He's doing his bit, but uh, Callum as Rocky. Now you get to wear very little at some points in the show. True. He spends his entire time in just a pair of pants. <laughs> but doesn't he look good though? And annoyingly so. <laughs> yeah. um, but it must be weird. Any job where you have to come to work with you playing with his nipples every single night. He loves it. Yeah. He loves it. He tries to not like it, but he does enjoy it. Yeah. And uh, with an audience watching as well, I'm sure that adds to the fun. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes he's like. That was nearly turned me on. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the lights, the grease paint? It can all make a difference, yeah, can't it? Yeah. But are, are there any any moments in the show that you have as a favourite? Obviously, it's a brilliant show, and you've, it's it's good fun to be part of. But is there a bit which really stands out for any of you? Let's start the other end, Christian. Um, for me, uh, well, there are there are so many great bits in the show. For me, it's sort of the music that gets me going. I have to kind of say the time warp because. Um, when I'm doing the time warp, the time warp is in people's consciousness. It's like, you know, they've known it since they were children. Everybody's been dancing it at every school, disco, wedding, nightclub, their entire lives. So, you know, when I'm singing that song and I look out into the audience and I can see everybody standing up and dancing away, then, you know, it's pretty amazing to have, you know, crowds of thousands standing on their feet doing that. Mm -hmm. And know it, they all know it intrinsically. They all know it so well. So... It has to be that for me. Okay. Stephen? Uh, well, uh, well, for me, it's got to be Sweet Transvestite. I get, yeah, you know, signature number. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's when he comes out and he's in the cloak and, and then he reveals himself in, in the corset and the tights and everything. But there's anticipation for every audience to see yeah. that because each tour it'll be slightly different and yeah. we don't know what you're going to look like in that outfit until yeah. you do that. Yeah, and each individual Frank has been slightly different than mm. what they wear. and. I can't help but feel like a bit of a rock star, especially, <laughs> and, and they all shout and whoop and everything. And there's also the floor show, which mm-hmm. you guys are in, which is a really like, f- you know, um, glam rock beat yeah. where you know it's quite a dirty um, rock song, which is one of my other favourites of the show. Okay. So you enjoy that bit, even though you, you know, you, the, everyone gets to a share and yeah. the glory in that one. Yeah, James. Mine's actually a very non-showbiz moment of the show. Yeah. And it's a no one wants to hear about an actor's process or an actor's, <laughs> but it's all a bit boring. But sort of for Brad's journey, he kind of starts a show and he doesn't particularly like or doesn't understand the Frankenfurter in this world and is sort of a, a bit offended by it. And then he goes through and he gets tastes all these new different things. And it's actually when a point in Act Two when Brad goes and 
goes to shake Frankenfurter's hand because he suddenly understands the whole world and loses the kind of judgment. Well, this is the way that I and yeah. it, and it's sort of it's my favourite arc moment of the show. And yeah. that's that's one of my favourite bits to play because I'm like, oh, this is the moment where Brad understands it all. Uh -huh. and, yeah. And, and, and that happens. Right, let's see what else we've got coming in on uh, uh, Facebook. Cat Perry says Callum is great. Hey James from Cat and Sarah. Hello. And uh, we've got uh, Claudia who uh, can't get to the show because she's living too far away but enjoying seeing you on Facebook Live, oh. which, which is good. Thank you all for, for joining us. Thank you for having the chat. Thank you for having fun. Uh, we've got a shout out for the rest of the team. <laughs> absolutely a brilliant job. Because uh, where would Brad be without Janet? Uh, I mean, Joan Clifton, uh, absolutely amazing. Oh, she's wonderful. And she doesn't even get to show off hardly any of her dance moves. It's it, 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 but uh, it's still fantastic. What yeah. She does well, I same. feel like she gets to show off the rest, though. She gets mm -hmm. to show us what she can. That voice. She gets yeah. to show what she can yeah. really do. Yeah, she's, she's, she's got a killer absolutely voice. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah, and she's so wonderful to work with on stage, off stage. Uh, any, and anyone else? You're, you're eating his leg now. I'm eating his leg, but yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> anybody? Whilst you've got mouths full of marzipan. Anybody else want to give a shout out to? Come on, name names. No, I, I think the whole gang. I think the whole gang. Yeah, yeah. Rocky Horror is a real team production, so yeah. you know. You know, we can't t to shout out to all the Phantoms because, to be fair, they don't stop. They're literally even if they are, they're off stage. They're constantly singing. They're doing BVs and everything. So they're literally going backwards and forwards whilst they're getting changed into mm. their corsets and everything. Yeah, they're still belting out stuff. So I've got to give a shout out. To the Phantoms. Yeah. yeah, sweating it out. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah I've had, for the cast, they probably have. More clothes on when they're off stage than when they're on. Yeah. And for the audience, they've got to keep in costume and it's make sure they don't expose themselves when they walk down the street after the show. Very yeah, true. Yeah. So there's, there's challenges for everybody involved in this yeah. one. Well, it's down here at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre right the way through until Saturday. 01902 429212 is the box office number. Grandtheatre.co.uk to get your tickets online. But they are a phenomenal cast. It is an amazing show. And you can't fail to, be, to have fun and enjoy it as long as you're not too much of a prude. But uh, Rocket Horror down here at the ground, right the way till Saturday. Do come and see it. And thanks, guys, for joining in. Pleasure. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank bye you. Bye. Cheers. Brilliant time uh, with the cast from the Rocky Horror Show. Absolutely fantastic gang of fellas there. And a brilliant cast on stage, filling the stage with uh, just a magical musical. Right, in a moment or two's time, we'll have a chat with Sue Cressman. But first of all, let's listen to her song, Survive.
That's Survive from Sue Cressman, who joins me on the line now to tell me about the single. Sue, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Jason. Now, you are a two times breast cancer survivor. You've got a brand new single out. And by the sounds of things, you don't let things stop you doing what you want to do. Well, absolutely not. Why not? Um, I've had, you know, these illnesses. All I want to do is help other people that are going through it, Jason. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, you've had good positive treatment so far. I've had great treatment and it is my debt of gratitude to the nurses and the, and the doctors that have helped me through this awful thing for twice in my life. Um, and I can honestly say that this song, it says it's a long road ahead, but you've got to keep on going like any diagnosis of any serious health issue. You have been through quite a bit more than just these surgeries as well because uh, back in 1999 you broke your neck as well I did. Uh, it was a technical broken neck yeah I did uh, yeah again my debt of gratitude you, 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 like I said you, you've got to go through it you can't go back you've got to make sure that you're fixed again and uh, yeah again I was fixed twice <laughs> and yeah. then twice with the breast cancer uh, I, I'm Looking back now, thinking, well, you know, I'm through it. So let's try and help someone who's going through it themselves right now to give them some positivity and some inspiration. Absolutely. And it is amazing where you've come from and and what you've you've been through. And you're staying positive. You're, You're making the most of absolutely every moment and now using your time to share and improve the lives of others, which, fair play to you, it's a blooming good job you're doing. Well, thank you very much. I mean, I I resided in Wolverhampton most of my life, so this is a real great honour to speak to the Wolverhampton people here uh, with you, uh, Jason. But, um, yeah, I think really uh, when you've had such treatment as I have, you want to keep giving back. And I put a lot of medical equipment into various uh, hospitals in the area and help them with their breast cancer units. So we put lots of things in there, and I'll probably raise it in excess of £100,000. Well, that, that's good going in itself, and, uh, you know, it's, it, it's nice to see you putting things something back. And, and the song itself, I mean, how did the inspiration work, and how did the team come together to, to put this onto, uh, onto record, as it were? Well, it was quite a strange story. Um, I'm going to give you the very potted version and a summary. Uh, I sang in the choir for the Royal Wedding last year. I was picked from about three or 400 people within the nation mm-hmm. uh, who'd either had serious health issues, been injured in conflict, or had mental health issues. So I was picked, and uh, we went to an audition at Coventry Cathedral, and after that particular event, which was the most wonderful honour to be singing in Windsor, uh, I was asked by a radio station, what are you going to do next, Sue? And I said to my husband, you know, I'd love to do a song to help people with breast cancer. I've been through it twice. Let's see if we can help people with in song. I wanted it to be an uplifting, inspirational song. And um, he said, right, he's good with verses. So <laughs> I'm a very poetic man. So he put some verses down. We then spoke to somebody about a melody that we needed, and that was Guy Barnes. His father just recently passed away. He was the very... Uh, celebrated golfer Brian Barnes, mm-hmm. uh, who actually famously did beat Jack Nicholas twice in the Ryder Cup in one day. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so Guy did the melody, his son. Um, and then, quite by chance, uh, a gentleman who knew Ian Werry, who is the music director for Elaine Page and also the music director and has been for 30 years to David Essex, heard the song in its very infancy, said, let me put a backing track to this, which he did, and it brought the song to life. Well, an amazing story, an amazing, troubling, yet out the other side of it, okay journey that you've been on as well. So, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how these things all come together and allow people to, to show the, the best of human nature, I think. Well, we hope so. And that's what it's all about, Jason. If we can help somebody along the way, um, it it doesn't quite matter that the suffering has gone through. At the end of the day, I feel very positive. There are some other people that aren't quite... If I can lift their spirits once they've had this diagnosis, let's 
let's do that with this song. So where can we get the song? Well, it is, if you put into iTunes, Sue Cressman, Survive, uh, you will get that song. Okay, that's a good It's also on YouTube. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the music video, um, and uh, yeah, so that's the you can do that. I have a website, and if someone will send me an email, I'm quite happy to send a CD out. Um, yeah, so that's where you get it at the moment, but it is mainly iTunes. Yeah, but uh, suecressman.com is the website. Go along there, and you can find out all the details to get in touch. And I, I'm hoping to be able to see more of your story than we could possibly just touch on chatting now. Well, yeah, I think, well, I did Sky News uh, on Monday and it was a pleasure to be over there and share my story. Um, And then I do believe there's some other TV appearances they want me to do. So that's lovely, but um, I'm always happy to talk to the people of Wolverhampton, Jason. That's my hometown, as I said. Next time you're in the city, we'll make sure we get into the studio and we can spend some more time with them, which would be absolutely fantastic. That would be wonderful. I'd really look forward to that, Jason. Sue Cressman, thank you for joining us. Thank you indeed. How Not to Die in a Plane Crash is the latest tour from Susan Murray heading around the country and at the Gifford Arms in Wolverhampton on the 30th of October. 
Out on the road is a fun thing to do with this, isn't it? It is a fun thing to do. It's very fun being on the motorways for an hour and hours 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 and hours. But you could be in the air for hours and hours and hours and hours. Well, this is true. I'd much rather be on the road than in the air, to be honest. I once thought of you when I was in an airport because in the airport they were showing plane crash investigation in the US. And genuinely, before I got on a plane, I saw how it could all go horribly wrong. And this is something that's been of interest to you for some time. You saw that at the airport? At the airport. What, in a shop? In the waiting room, the they lounge. Were, they were showing air crash investigation in the lounge. They, they had National Geographic on or something. That must have been a bet. It, Somebody <laughs> must have been like, I'll bet you 50 quid you can't put air crash investigation on for more than 10 minutes without being fired. <laughs> but it, it happened, and I, was like, I immediately thought of you. And the, the hours you have spent, probably more than you've been on the road as a touring comedian, uh, watching I, I, this. I've, I've definitely put the hours in. I've watched every single episode about five times over, and there's 20 series. <laughs> so, what, what, Which is worrying in itself, isn't it? I mean, the fact they have 20 series of 13 episodes where at least one plane fell out of the air. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, they, you know, they do go back decades and stuff like that. There's been, there's been a lot yeah, the Wright brothers crashes. didn't work out too well initially, did they? <laughs> well, you know, they're not all fatal, that's the thing. 95% of plane incidents are actually survivable. But, you know, we hear about the, we hear about the really, really bad ones, the 5% that make the news. Mm-hmm. Um, but So air crash investigation is like a big spectrum, and, um, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot to choose from, really. So how did this turn into a comedy show? I had to validate my pathetic addiction to air crash investigation. <laughs> okay. And I had, to, I had to pass it off with research. Instead of just me dicking around at like two o'clock in the morning when I get in from work. Now, what it was, I kept posting things when I was getting... Because I do gigs abroad and I was, mm. you know, I have to fly for work and stuff. And, um, and I was always posting things, um, funny things on Facebook. And a friend of mine, um, who's a writer, went, he said, you've got to write a show about this. <laughs> And I was actually going to write a show about swearing because I love swearing. You're as very well. good at that. I'm, 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 I'm like, listen, I'm a ninja. Um, I was going to call it Potty Mouth, and, and I thought. Then, then he said, "You need to do this plane crash show." And I thought, "Oh, how do you write jokes about plane crashes?" And um, and then I, I managed to do it. So it's been a, a really interesting thing to write. See, I've spent probably about. Uh, well over a uh, yeah, hundred plus hours in the air. I, 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 I've only ever been abroad on holiday twice. Really? Yeah, I, but I've been abroad an awful lot. I've yeah, I've been yeah, you know, Kuwait, Kazakhstan what do you mean for, work? for work, yeah, oh, I see. Australia and the like. So I've done all of that, but I, on a holiday twice. Once because I I wanted to see what it was like. I went to Portugal and that was fab. And then another time I'd got two hundred and fifty thousand air miles to spend and I had to do something with those. So I went to Vegas first class so you know these, these you know, things the thing about air miles right? I've got enough air miles to fly to America to see my cousins yeah. and I'm too scared to use them well, this is because you're genuine I, I know you've actually recently been on a how not to be scared on a plane course as yeah, well yeah a fear of flying course yeah and that must have been traumatic and probably the drinks trolley was nowhere near as good as normal because they were going to protect you from some of that I didn't make any friends on there they didn't like my jokes no they didn't appreciate them at all. <laughs> or the fact you were wearing a badge saying, yeah, I've watched two, 20 series of plane crash investigator. It, it, was, it was a really interesting course, actually. And, um, and it, I got a lot of jokes from it. Not, I'm not going to do any now because I don't no. want to do too That's many spoilers. part of the show. Exactly. <laughs> and I could pass it off. Pass it off. Oh, I, can, I can claim this back off my tax. But actually, I needed to do the course as well. Um, so, yeah, that was, a, that, was like a, that was a whole day. I had to get up early. Comedians aren't like getting up early. No, particularly not awful. to get to do something they don't want to do anyway. Exactly. So um, we ha- you do actually do a flight. You do like a little half-hour flight. And on the board, on the airport, it says, Mystery Destination. <gasps> back where you started from. Flying to the Twilight Zone. <laughs> Can you fly me back to the 70s, please? Um, In the 70s, the uniforms for the, the air crew were probably more amazing than they are now. Yeah, they were proper. They were cut really nice, weren't they? Yeah. This, this is, um, this is genuine air crew, mm-hmm. Amazon, £14.99. <laughs> what happens then, though, with you know, your, your other prep for the show? What else have you done to, to get yourself ready for this? Um, well, oh, oh, sorry, hang on. OK. Oh, God. Hello? I'll just oh, hang here. on. No, all right, Richard. No, no, no. Leave them, Richard Branson. Right. Leave them red. I mean, they, they, it's a, they look great on them. I mean, why change? Don't look. If it's not broken, don't change it. Don't. No, you can't have black crew uniforms. That's like a, that's a, like a funeral. You don't want that. Keep them red. All right. No, I can't do the island this week. I'm too busy doing gigs. All right. Thanks. <laughs> oh God. Ever since ever since I've been doing the show, the aviation industry just won't leave me alone. Honestly, mm-hmm. it's just relentless. Um, what were you saying? Well, just saying? Any other important research you've done for the show that, uh, you know, you've done the flight, 
Uh, I've watched all the documentaries. I've read the books. Um, I've been to museums. Mm-hmm. I've speaking to, spoken to aviation people. Um, I managed to go on a cruise safety training day. Well, hey. Yeah, I've got my little in with the industry. And um, quite, a lot, quite a lot of industry come and see this show. I had, mm. I had two crew in at the gig today and had two pilots. <laughs> two, pilots <laughs> two pilots yesterday. So when I'm doing stuff about it, and they go, is that right? And they go, yeah. And I'm like, oh. I did my research properly. Yeah, I know. But I mean, the, the, the in-flight snacks, though, is that something you try and recreate in your own home then? There's a small packets of pretzels and... Yeah, because I can't cook to save my life, right. so I, you know, I eat food as bad as the plane all the time. <laughs> I went on a flight and they couldn't tell me what the actual food was they'd served me. The flight crew had no idea. Why, what did it look like? It was sort of bland, white and lumpy. Oh, it's just English food, isn't it? Well, it's it? English. You've got a full English there. Yeah, and no one knew what to do with it. So I think they took it back and bought me something that tasted of nothing. Because the other thing I worked on planes, they look at the entire demographic of all the people on there and then serve something that suits none of the countries who are represented on the plane. Because it's mostly it's awful, isn't it? See, I go on flights where they don't even serve you any food. You have to either feed yourself before you go on or take a sandwich or you have to buy, you know, the you rubbish when you're on there. Remortgage something to pay for a sandwich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like 12 quid for a bacon sarnie or something. I don't go on the way... You, I, don't, I don't go on flights where you get free food. I, you know when you get on a flight... I go on the flights where you sit down and you haven't even got a telly in front of you and it just says you have a little sign say... <laughs> you should have a little sign saying, entertain yourself. <laughs> Crosswords. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so, do you genuinely find out how not to die in a plane crash during the show? I do actually give out some really good tips. Yeah. Um, I, got to, I have to say that I can't, you know, cure you. Um, I can't cure you. I can't um, save you from the. Un- oh, sorry, hang on. So I've got to hate this. It's so unprofessional. I'm sorry. Yeah. Hello? No, I, look, if you're doing Fear of Flying Course, it's got to be Captain Steve, all right, because he's, he's the best. You know, he's got the best name for Fear of Flying Course, hasn't he? Oh, and don't forget co-pilot, Dave Excellent. Yeah, yeah then that'll be fine. I'm sure, I, I, I think then they wrote it on. Yeah, that'll be fine, all right. BA, sorry. Um, <laughs> God, it's just, honestly, I think Non-stop. It's yeah, I know. Yeah. Where were we? Well, you, you were saying there are some tips in the show which could avoid you dying yeah, in the plane crash. Yeah, there are some genuine, like, safety tips. And when I was doing the show in Edinburgh, which was a sellout every day, um, <laughs> an electrician came and he said, you've actually cured my fear of flying, and he put 50 quid in my bucket. That's, That's not a euphemism, by the way. <laughs> it was actual cold, hard cash. Yeah. And it was he Scottish. He got 50 quid out of something. No, he's English. Ah, uh, so. <laughs> Don't you dare. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there are, some, there are some genuine tips in there. There's some, de- there's some daftness in there. But there's also themes. There's like, you know, there's like love theme running through. There's like weird brother, travel, you know, different types of travel. So it's not all about planets. There's personal stuff in there. So it's like mm-hmm. a kind of, it's quite a sort of mixed. It's like a full rounded show. Much more preparation other than likely to cause someone to not want to get on a plane ever again. You're not scaring anybody. No, 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 I don't freak anybody out. And I also have to state that, like, um, whenever there's uh, an incident, it causes more safety. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, at the Kegworth crash, it didn't go on fire. And, you know, you used to have to put your feet under the seat in front. But now you put your seat down because people broke loads of ankles. So they changed that. So every, t- every time there's a crash, there's more safety stuff. We learn on. something. So if you've ever been in a plane crash, don't worry. You've helped others to survive a plane crash. And I'm sure that's a lot of comfort for you. <laughs> Even though you never want to go on holiday abroad again, unless it's by boat. <laughs> so the show is on tour across the UK. Where do people go to find out all the details about all the events you're doing? Oh, oh hang, hang on. Again. Oh, hang on a minute. Sorry. Hiya. Right, now you, you retract the flaps. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, put the speed brakes on. Right, yeah. And, okay, have the nose up slightly. So the back wheels hit the runway first, and the nose second, and then apply the ground brakes. Yeah? You got it? You down? Brilliant. Ryanair. God. (laughs) Are they anywhere near where they were supposed to be? Oh, East Midlands. Okay. They were going for Birmingham. Well, no one ever flies to, flies to East Midlands. You only ever divert to East Midlands, don't you? <laughs> so, um, yeah, if you want to see the show... Website, yeah. Yes, it's www. We know that bit. Uh, it's susan-murray.co.uk, and all the tour dates will be on there. Or if you want to go on Twitter, it's at thatsusanmurray, or susanmurray slash comedian on Facebook. So all of those ways to get to see the show. Instagram as well. You can find me. It's dead easy to find me. Simple as that. Or nip into the Gifford. You can actually pick your tickets up there for the show on the 30th of October and enjoy the magic that is Susan Murray doing her thing, uh, allowing people to survive. That suits you. An air crash. Thank you. Which cord do I pull? <laughs> Don't pull that. <laughs> <laughs>
of working parents don't have enough time to chill, with 6am through 9am the most stressful time for working parents, and their working week is on average 11 and a half hours longer. So, how do they cope? What do we do? Let's find out more. I'm joined now by Lucy Porter, actress and comedian. Good afternoon. Oh, hello. Lovely to speak to you. Good to I'm talk to you. I'm comedian and mother of two is my oh, uh, qualification for talking about this. Yes, yeah, so you've got that badge on as well. And uh, I mean, being a comedian and looking after the kids, that must be even harder than having a regular day job where you've got set hours and you can plan a bit more. You, you must well, be pretty much all over the place, haven't you? It is a bit all over the place, but then I think there's no such thing as sort of easy parenthood, is there? It's like the, I, I know people who have like nine to five jobs and they have an absolute nightmare. Uh, and I suppose in a way, my life isn't that difficult because my husband's an actor. So we've got a seven year old boy and a nine year old girl. And what we find happens quite a lot is like my husband will be filming and he'll start his filming day at like 6 a.m. And then he'll be back at tea time, whereas I go out to do my shows about tea time. So quite often I will find that we're kind of I'm flinging the children at him (laughs) at tea time and saying, right, they've eaten or they haven't eaten or, you know, chuck some chicken dippers in the oven. I'm off or whatever. And then I go off and do my gig and then I get in at 3 a.m. and then get up again at 7.30 for the school run. So it's crazy. But it kind of works. I think, you know, you just have to make it work for you, really, don't you? And I think the answer is probably equity cards for the kids and get them in the same show as the husband's in. I know, but it could be like the Von Trapp family. It'd be amazing. A a band of travelling troubadours. That that, that would be good. But, I mean, Churchill have done this insurance. And, uh, yeah, the people are spending added time cleaning, tidying, cooking and and driving. You've already mentioned having to do the school run. That's that's not an easy one because the traffic's blooming awful, surely. Oh, I mean, I tell you, that school run, I'm not a fan of driving at the best of times. And I don't know who decided that everybody should be in their car on the same <laughs> two-hour period every day. But and there's always a bin lorry for me. Every day, no matter what day, what time, always a bin lorry. And, and I get furious and everyone else is furious. I think I've got an idea for a film franchise, Jason, which is, I think, yeah. um, it's going to be called The Slow and the Furious. <laughs> and it's going to be just people on the school run getting steadily more angry and performing more and more illegal and dangerous manoeuvres to uh, try and get their kids to school on time because it does absolutely drives me mad. 
I, I often get stuck behind a, uh, a tractor. I mean, what, what yeah. do I want one of those for first thing in the morning? I really don't need that, do I? In the middle of Wolverhampton Town Centre, you're like, what, how, how has that happened? Uh, one of the glorious green bits in Essington, just down the road. So, uh, oh, nice. This is just posh. you showing off with your fancy country lifestyle. This is it. <laughs> but, I mean, people are actually spending more money on things like cleaners, taxi, food deliveries, just to make their life a bit easier. Yes, well, the average, uh, £249 a week on average on things like, you know, food delivery and stuff to make life easier, which I thought, I, when I read that, I was aghast. I thought, God, that sounds like loads. But actually, when you think about it, it does mount up. The things that you do to try and buy yourself a bit of time and a bit of relaxation, because I am a huge one for a takeaway. <laughs> I love a takeaway, not least because it means that everyone in the house will actually eat what's put in front of them, whereas, mm. like, I, I get so frustrated where you try and cook something spend hours cooking something for the kids and then they don't really like it whereas if you say who fancies a pizza immediately it's all fine and i mean we're really lucky where we live there's loads of like delivery stuff that will come around i'm my ultimate dream is i want to find a delivery service where they will come around in the morning and bring me a cooked breakfast and then just take <laughs> the kids to school for me on the back of the moped i think that would be ideal yeah you maybe don't live close enough to the grandparents no, well, that is, you know, let's have a little moment of respect for the grandparents because I think they are what keep a lot of families going. We, sadly, do not have family support. So if anyone wants to lend me a grandparent for the day, I'd be delighted. Any any old uh, grandparents that you've got knocking knocking about that you're uh, not using, send them my way. OK, I think that there could be another service in there to spend more than 250 quid a week on. So, uh, you know, it could happen. But, I mean, when the morning alarm goes off and it begins with 57% saying 6am till 9am is the time of day they are most stressed. So, I mean, yeah. how, how do you think we could get around? How would you approach this to make sure it is less stressful? Well, I suppose, I mean, I... I do outsource a lot of stuff, which I think is sort of quite a good way of doing things. If there's anything you can do to sort of alleviate all the admin, mm-hmm. um, because I have a lot, you know, we were talking about my crazy weird job. So I'm self-employed and a lot of my friends are very jealous of that because they're like, oh, it must be amazing to be your own boss. Apart but, from the tax I mean, returns and things. Well, that's it, because you're your own boss. You, you know, you're also your own accountant, your own PA, your own office cleaner, your own postroom assistant and so all of that stuff I find very very difficult I mean I've got loads of apps now that I use for everything so for like accounting it may be that I'm just uploading all of my stuff and they're going to rinse my accounts (laughs) I'm giving away all my passwords but in a way I don't care because at least if I feel like I'm saving time you know any price for that but yeah I think I mean there's sort of practical things you can do and I think the reason Churchill have done this research is because they're trying to highlight that you know going online going to them to do your insurance is kind of quite easy and relaxing because you can use like websites and I do find that I do like sort of using technology to kind of make my life easier but if all else fails I just lie and cheat and I think there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that what I do quite a lot is I use the four magic words which are mummy's got a headache <laughs> that buys you some chill out time and I mean I haven't got a headache at all my children aren't listening to this I know so it's, I can say this um, normally it's just mummy wants to go and lie down in a darkened room and listen to a podcast for half an hour but um, I think you know a little white lie like that just to take yourself out of the situation and get a bit of chill out time is perfectly acceptable and invest in a Churchill nodding dog stick it on the table and just make them watch that for hours isn't it? That'll... <laughs> well you know they've changed it so if you um, go to the Churchill website they've got the new advert up and I, over the weekend, my social media was all full of this, that they've changed it from the nodding dog to a CGI dog, which is it's phenomenal. It's like going on a skateboard and there, there was much controversy and I think it was the Daily Star had a front page spread about the, um, the new ad. But it's worth, have a look and see what you think because my kids actually, they, they don't get the concept of a nodding dog because of course actual nodding dogs haven't been in cars since, the 1980s, I yeah, don't think. Since we were all kids. I know. I mean, I used to love a nodding dog. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they've gone the way of bumper stickers. You don't get as many bumper stickers anymore, do you? They were all the, or do you know those um, in the windscreen where they used to have, like, you know, Wayne and Tracy, the classic yeah. thing at the front? Nobody does that anymore. Maybe we should bring that back, yeah, having but, your name at the front of the car. You could advertise your gigs on your sun visor. I could. <laughs> I could, or I could just put leave me alone. Yeah, I've got a headache. 
Yeah, yeah, please be careful. I'm on the school run. Something like that. <laughs> that would work. Well, where can we go for more information on all this survey then? So the Churchill website will have it all and also the new CGI dog that you can go and have a look at. Well, check out the, the CGI dog. That should be good fun. Uh, for now, though, Lucy Porter, keep lying to the kids. We look forward to uh, hearing more of your antics in the near future. Enjoy being actress, comedian, wife, mother and everything else that your life involves. <laughs> and you enjoy all the things that you do, Jason. Just getting well. stuck behind tractors on the way to work in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> enjoy your country life. So I'm Thanks, my love. Sick of it. Oh, please just give it up for a while, or sure as hell, I'm gonna throw you out. John says, Honey, well, you know what I'm like. I love the feeling when the liquor gets me high. Oh, please just let it go for now. You know, I quit next week, honey, quit somehow. Around 61% of Britons would be more inclined to do their bit to fight climate change if they had a better understanding of what they could actually do. We've got lots of voices in the media at the moment telling us where it's going wrong, so let's see what we can do to maybe turn that round a little bit. I'm joined now by conservationist TV presenter and campaigner Chris Packham and Director of Corporate Affairs at Smart Energy GB, Robert Cheeseright. Good afternoon to you both. Good afternoon, good afternoon. Right, so first of all, I mean, Chris, you're well-respected. You've been on TV for a good chunk of my life, and, you know, you have pretty much always come across as knowing a lot about what's going on in our environment. And at the minute, our environment is in pain, isn't it? It's in an enormous amount of pain. Uh, We know that climate change is happening. We know that we're losing a lot of the Earth's biodiversity, its richness of life, upon which we're dependent. So we've got to do something about it, and that's the pain that's coming home to, to roost at the moment. 
Our governments have set very ambitious targets to tackle that climate crisis by reducing our carbon emissions by 100% by 2050. Extinction Rebellion, who are on the streets at the moment, want that reach by 2025. These are ambitious targets. If you don't aim for the stars, you never get to the sky. But we've got to actually do something about it. Now, we could sit back and say, OK, that's going to be the government's job. We don't have to do anything. We've delegated to them. Quite clearly, that would be a fallacious thing to do because they're not doing enough. And that's, again, why Extinction Rebellion are on the streets. And what I think is important is that you and I and everyone empower ourselves to make a difference. And we do have the capacity to make a difference, quite a significant difference. Because one thing that's been absent from our conversations about dealing with climate change at the moment is energy efficiency. It's the missing piece. Mm -hmm. And yet in the UK, if we were to improve our energy efficiency, we could meet 11% of the UK's 2050 carbon target. That's you and I in the comfort of our own homes by fitting smart meters. And that's what we'd like to talk about because these new pieces of technology are not just about saving energy in the home, saving you money, and you can save yourself up to £200 a year. They're about feeding back information to a centralized network which will form the foundation of a decarbonized smart energy system. Now, what does that actually mean? It means that we generate electricity in the right place at the right time, that we maximally use renewable energies, and also we reduce wastage of energy through transmission, you know, literally through the, through the cables and the wires as it comes to our homes. Mm-hmm. And given that we're going to be more dependent on electricity in the future as we switch to electric cars and so on and so forth, then it's really important that we have an intelligent energy management system which can maximize its efficiency and allow us to contribute that to that 11 percent you know target when it comes to those 2050 carbon emissions because consumers can make a difference and electricity can be a greener source of energy as you talked about the way in which it's transmitted and for the fact that if you are using fossil fuels even though we're trying to move away from that you can control those use of fossil fuels and consumers have made a difference in the past i mean probably 20 30 years ago we were talking about cfcs and avoiding them going into the environment and it turned into to big business to find ways of changing that and things like making sure you've got a smart meter is is today's modern equivalent of changing aerosol propellants it is i mean we're we're developing these new technologies in fact we have a very broad toolkit of means of addressing the you know the climate crisis our problem is that we're not implementing them rapidly enough or broadly enough but we don't have to wait for anyone else to do this. You can make a phone call, you can send an email, and your energy supplier will come and fit one of these. It's not something you fit yourself. In the process of fitting it, they give your energy system a bit of an overhaul, very often spotting things which are wrong with it, potentially dangerous too. So if you like, you're getting a health check in your home, um, and you're getting one of these things printed, now uh, uh, supplied. Now, even if you don't ever use it, you might just throw it in a drawer and forget about trying to you know, improve your own individual energy efficiency save yourself money, which would be a rather foolish thing to do, I think, it would still be sending back that information which would allow us nationally to meet these targets. So it's an essential component of us improving the the, the climate efficiency of the way that we're dealing with carbon emissions in the UK. So, Robert, with Smart Energy GB's work, obviously you're in partnership with all of our energy suppliers and you're making sure that we get these meters and they're rolling out and we've hit the second generation now that can give you even more information about what's going on. Absolutely right. So there are now two and a quarter of the second generation smart meters installed and they are starting to really make a difference to the way we buy and sell and generate energy in this country. We're seeing some people with uh, tariffs now that enable them to get super cheap energy late at night. And if they charge their electric vehicle, for instance, late at night, they're paying a fraction of what the rest of us are because they're actually helping the system by using energy off peak. So there's all these little ways in which smart meters help our system to get smarter. And as Chris says, we've done the bit where we've got targets. We've done the bit where we've got an ambition. Now the conversation needs to move on to, well, what are the actual things we can do? You know, there's people listening to this going, I already recycle. I've stopped using plastic bags. I'm reducing my plastic. I want to help. What can I do? And so that's where the conversation needs to move, which is why we're calling on politicians and the media and the people that you know, design and produce TV shows to start talking about energy efficiency, to start talking about how our system can get more efficient and talk about smart meters because people need people need to know what they can do more to help because we're trying our best 
But if everyone else, if everyone gets involved and does, does what we can, then we really can tackle this climate crisis. Yeah, this is the next step in what can actually happen around our homes that make a difference. Keep doing the recycling, buy as much stuff in things that aren't plastic as possible or reduce plastic and refills. There's some great work that can be done there. But when it comes down to it, if you can save yourself money and see what you're using. And the, the best bit is you may not even realise the impact of leaving the TV on standby compared to actually switching it off. No, and the smart meters tell you that. I've been using one for years. Um, but, you know, it, it moves up a scale. So if you, you know, say you walk into your living room mid-afternoon, you put your TV on, you turn the hoover on, then you put a washing on and maybe some drying, uh, the smart meter tells you with no uncertainty that you're inefficiently using energy and that it's costing you a lot, particularly if you're on a tariff where, as Richard says, if you're using that energy at night when you could run your washing machine and your dryer and so on and so forth, then you are capable of saving yourself some money. But also contributing to a much broader redesign of our outdated energy system. And it does need an overhaul for us to work forward into the future to address these climate issues. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the infrastructure goes back many decades. And maybe with fewer people on the planet 50, 60 years ago, it didn't seem so important. But certainly as we're growing as a population and as we're realising what we're doing to this, this you know, the only home we have, then it's about time we started to make a change. So what do we do to get this smart meter in our home? Well, to get a smart meter, you can just contact your energy supplier, call them, email them. Often they'll have offered them to you via an email or a text. So respond to that if they have. Um, if you want to find out more, come to smartenergygb.org and find out more about how you can get one and what smart meters do, both for you and your home, but also for the country's energy system as a whole. Absolutely. It allows you to think about yourself, yet also have a big part in the bigger picture. Great, isn't it? It's fantastic. Chris Packham and also Robert Cheeswright, thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. That's a lot for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Back with episode 539 next week. I'll see you then. So for now. Goodbye from the mill bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the mill bar. Yeah.